Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. This is the only podcast where two brothers discuss a thing they love, and that thing is comic books. I'm one of the two hosts, slash one of the brothers, slash one of the kind of comedians who hosts this thing, Kevin Hines. And I'm the other one of those things, unless Will Hines. And Will, we are wrapping up uh, a se- another a season arc a uh, batch of things. I don't know what we call these, but uh, we call them seasons. Yeah. They don't always line up with what the seasons are called on her podcast feed, I guess. No, um, but this is a season. We were, this is a season of Marvel firsts where we are covering the first issue of kind of the first batch of Marvel heroes, starting with the fantastic four and ending with daredevil and the fantastic four. Remind me. Um, there's four of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I remember. So Thor. That's, that was sort of the most interesting part of the Fantastic Four is the number of them. Yeah. Well, they've never changed that. I feel like that book would not have been famous if it was the Fantastic Five or the Fantastic Three. No one would have cared. It was a they they hit on a popular number at the right time. Yeah, four was really fashionable. Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the Kinks. Yeah. Um, sixty minutes. Uh, pets have four legs. I think that really made them popular. Mm-hmm. I'm looking here for how many uh, episodes we've done, and uh, if you had to guess, Kevin, what episode do you think this is? You told me sometime recently, so I know it's over a hundred. I know we okay. missed our hundredth episode. We blew right by it. So a hundred and forty-two. This is episode, uh, hang on, how do I figure this out? This is episode 168. You're trying to remember how to read numbers? As I'm looking at a spreadsheet and I'm trying to remember like, you know, it's mm-hmm. a row number, but I have to not count the title row. Mm-hmm. So this is episode 168. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. How right? many of them were, how many of those are good? Let me look, because uh, I marked that down on our sp- at least three. Yeah. What were yeah. those three? Um, when we, uh, I'm going to say Watchmen number one, mm-hmm. um, master planner, amazing Spider-Man issue 31. And when we went over bang number two, I think amazing, I think amazing Spider-Man 33 was better than 31. Call it to the spreadsheet. Okay, pal. Oh, fair, fair enough. So yeah, we're doing daredevil number one. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, Daredevil's character had one issue and then I feel like it was never heard from again. <laughs> um, and you know, deservedly so, I think there's nothing, there's no hook. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he had no impact. Uh, uh, nobody cared. There was no movie and TV show. <laughs> um, there was right. no legendary run in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, he's just a guy, he had one issue and that was it. So, um, Kevin, before we get into Daredevil stuff, and I'm curious to hear what you thought of this issue, uh, let's talk about our other segment, which doesn't have a name, which is like stuff we're other media, stuff we're like absorbing. Because <laughs> really, it's not always movies branding, and TV shows. Branding is our specialty. Yeah, if you're listening and you want someone to help brand, just give us a call. Our podcast title is like too long. Whenever and it was I'm like based posting. on another podcast. 
Yeah. Whenever I'm like posting on Twitter or social uh, Instagram, I'm like, oh, this is so long and unwieldy and it doesn't read like a title. Yeah. Which is why I often write we're a podcast in case people don't know. Right. I don't think it's clear. Sure. Uh, and now we're doing one of our segments that is unnamed where we talk about things. <laughs> um. So this is uh, we talk about other media, Kevin. Have, do you have any other movies, TV shows or books or things you want to talk about? I can't think of anything that's even a little superhero related, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I ha- I've been watching movies lately. I've been catching up on movies. I've been I've been playing through the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. I'm like just about halfway through it. I have I have not been <clears throat> too attentive to it because I started watching The Last of Us on HBO, and then I'm replaying The Last of Us video game along with the show. That's what that's what cool people do. Yeah. And so I have to get back. So I started getting back to Guardians last night and Guardians is really fun. The video game is really fun. It's it, it it's it's difficult to um, correctly communicate it because it's it, it is quite good and fun. I do recommend it. But it also is like sort of uh, standard fare video game in most ways. The combat is is good, but nothing transcendent. The voice acting is good, but. Um, the sort of like cut scenes and and sort of cinematic scenes are I don't know they're they're not like jaw dropping, but really it's just the personalities of the characters are so fun that even a kind of like standard fair guardians adventure is really enjoyable. What made the Spider Man? I mean, I guess is or is the Spider Man game good? What made the Spider Man game good? Because since we played that, we both that we both bought PlayStations and Spider-Man because <laughs> <laughs> they're insane. But then you played like a hundred games since then. I've played like five. Yeah. And we both noticed that like while we were playing Spider-Man, it's like, oh, this is so cool. Like you do this, you do this. But almost everything about that game is true about every other game I've played. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's we, like, we you were know, just you're... sort of new to modern games, especially yeah. me. You had played. I really had played nothing since like. The Atari Twenty Six Hundred. It was like yeah. a mind blowing experience for me. To I mean, play I played game. Zelda games, but I don't feel like they fit the mold of like. Since then, I've played the Uncharted games and, and God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn, and they all feel very similar to Spider Man. Sure, and you played one of the Arkham games, right? I started it because Spidey is most similar, and many games are to the Arkham sort of skeleton oh, yeah. oh, i feel like it is just like god of war i mean other than the buttons are different it feels just like god of war to me too with skill trees and like experience leveling up your things you like unlock new abilities you slowly open a map like and you like in horizon zero dawn also with like you know you do things to like remove the the cloud so you can see more of the map and things like that like they all feel the same to me <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I, I guess they are. But, well, first of all, is Spider-Man good? Like, it was a well-regarded game, um, but it is it 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 ended up sort of not being a like transcendent game that like everybody talks about the way like Red Dead Redemption is kind of like a banner game or Elden Ring uh, or even the God of War reboot. Like, Spidey is a well-respected and beloved game, but I I believe it's like top of the second tier or bottom of the first tier in terms of its rep. So okay. we we probably were overestimating it a little bit um, in terms of our joy for it. Uh, 
but because because uh, I I agree. I don't think Spider Man does anything that other games haven't also done well. There's nothing on it that's like sort of innovative. Um, it is an it is a very well polished traversal and combat system with an emphasis on sort of like happiness and joy as opposed to grim bleakness like last of us or like kind of vengeful punching like batman like spidey is a happy game even in the sad parts and uh insomniac games which makes spider-man i've since played other ratchet and clank couple of the ratchet and clank games that's that's one of the things they do which is sort of like almost family friendly like morals kind of like it is just like the good guys win hmm. the bad guys get theirs and you have compassion for the bad guys and uh i don't know it's like a good world not family friendly in terms of conservative social values because there's like uh L lgbtq characters and and but just in terms of like somebody's kid could play spider-man and it's and it's and it would be all right. You'd have to be old enough to withstand some violent scenes, but there's nothing like very gory or like. Hmm. I wonder what their Wolverine game will be like in that sense, because aren't they making a Wolverine game now too? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, when I when I replay Spidey, it's for the traversal, the web swinging, and the kind of like easy, fluid combat. It's not difficult combat, but. You can really like use all the different gadgets and stuff pretty pretty easily and fun. I mean, if you're like playing New Game Plus, Spidey just mops the floor with everybody and it's kind of fun. So I don't know. I mean, I I think we it it blew our minds because we hadn't played a game of that level, and it is merely an excellent game, not <laughs> a transcendent game. What makes it better than Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, it feels a bit more polished. Uh, I think these ensemble games, they have to like, every character has got to be in it and it's just Spidey. So, um, a lot of the time in the Spider-Man game. So like that character is done really well and none of the guardians characters are done as well as Spidey. They're all a bit more one dimensional and they repeat dialogue a lot and their jokes are kind of thinner in comparison. The Guardians probably add up to just as developed as Spidey. Okay. Um, and also traversal. It's an, uh, Spidey's an open world game and Guardians is a linear sequence to sequence game. So you play like a sequence, you finish it and you move on. Uh, whereas Spider-Man, you're in Manhattan. Just the open yeah. world of Manhattan is kind of a mind-blowing experience. There's no equivalent of that in Guardians. Okay. And... Also, I'm going to say it feels there. there's no like side quests in Guardians that like that flesh it out. You're you're playing on rails just down the track of sequence by sequence by sequence. I, unless I'm forgetting something. Yeah, there's very little like side quests. So it feels a bit more narrow. It makes it feel less epic than I guess a little more like Uncharted in that sense. It's more like Uncharted. Yeah. Uh, even Uncharted had kind of like mind-blowing cinematic, ex you know, sequences yeah. where you'd be playing it. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is just like a huge budget Mission Impossible movie, but I'm steering Tom Cruise. Uh, mm -hmm. There isn't anything like that in Guardians or really in Spidey. Uncharted was kind of right. singular in that that's, in that way. That's the Uncharted thing. 
Yeah, the Uncharted thing is like this is going to feel like Mission Impossible or maybe Raiders um, on PlayStation 2 or 3 graphics and then 4. So, yeah, Spidey doesn't really – Spidey's emotions are pretty good though. Like the cutscenes and the acting – like the Spidey Doc Ock story is pretty great. The Spidey Aunt May stuff is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that 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 character and voice acting is really strong in Spider-Man. There's and Guardians is pretty good and I and I haven't finished Guardians yet either so I don't know what the third act is going to be like. Sure, maybe Spidey shows up. That's that's what I'm hoping. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying it though, and it it is one of these like we live in a crazy age of wonders where it's like well I can go on Disney Plus and just watch Guardians of the Galaxy or I can zip over to my PlayStation Five and be immersed in a very good rendering of the world than go on YouTube and see interviews with like people who write the comics and what do they think? I mean, it's just sort of nuts how much is available, but yeah, we live in a strange world and uh, my son will never understand (laughs) like the things that he has at the tip of his fingertips that we did not have. Yeah. I remember as a kid when when the Atari 2600 was out and we had those cartridges that I sat and just dreamed of being able to have all of the Atari games. Like that just was like an unimaginable fantasy where I could just have them all at my fingertips. And I now do. <laughs> <laughs> and and I have the equivalent of in that in so many realms. Um, even just the Marvel Unlimited and DC Infinity apps are sort of like just crazy yeah. amounts of content that are available yeah i mean i'm signed up for like 55 different streaming services that i don't even scratch the surface of and any one of them would have has more available to me than i would have ever had with like our closet of videotapes or whatever <laughs> we had like 12 videotapes we're like oh we're doing great yeah so um or before that when there were no videotapes when it was just like i hope something's on right um, it's also crazy how just how used to everything we got, yeah, so fast. It's like, oh yeah, phone. Yeah, just... I I often think it's funny how like I I don't have physical media really anymore because it's like I'm not gonna put in a DVD, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna take the time to slide in a disc into a box and then watch something. If I yeah. can't watch it already, I refuse to do yeah. that one second effort. And that's crazy to me. Um, I agree. It's nuts. We're spoiled brats. Should we mm-hmm. go on to uh, Daredevil? Sure. All right, let's do it. Daredevil number one. Do you want to try comes, to say... Here well, comes Daredevil. Yep. The man without fear. Kind of justified by the story. Do you want to um, try to say what Daredevil's place is in the Marvel Universe? I mean, he's kind of has two places like at this point, he was sort of just like. I mean, I don't know how popular this comic was. I don't know how well it sold, but it definitely. Feels like when you look at all the other titles, even Iron Man and and, and the other characters were at least in the Avengers and stuff. Daredevil just sort of feels like and Daredevil. He feels a little bit like um, the professor and Marianne in the Gilligan's Island song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, and a professor and Mary and all the rest. You know, it's like, yeah. Um, where like that song originally ended with them just saying and all the rest. But it was just the professor and Marianne was all the rest. Right. 
And it's like, you couldn't say two more names. And then they changed it to say two more names and it took up no more, more time. But it, Daredevil <laughs> sort of feels like that to some extent. Like he just sort of is like another guy. Like, you know, Spider-Man is like the most popular character. The Fantastic Four are like this super popular team. The Avengers sort of like everybody else. The Hulk is sort of his own thing. Right. Kind of strange and cool. And like, and even Doctor Strange who doesn't last super long. I don't know how long his title goes, but like even Dr. Strange sort of feels like, well, he's a sort of weird thing off in the corner. And like, this is where you do weird stuff, but Daredevil doesn't do anything, at least at this point that Spider-Man can't do. Yeah. Story-wise. Yeah. Um, so he's not, he doesn't really have his own niche and it's, I mean, I, I liked this issue. I, uh, uh, I bet I'd like more if I read more of them, but like, he's not part of the Avengers. He's not Spider-Man. So then what is he? He's just another one. Well, I mean, yeah, the the being blind and having a radar sense is an interesting like story, sort of like logistics. Uh, I think there's a lot of, of cool things about him, but I'm just saying like sort of you're saying what was his impact on the Marvel yeah. world at that time? That's what it feels like to me. And um, then Frank Miller changes all that. Yeah, I think after Frank Miller, Daredevil sort of feels like. Which is like, that's like he, he joins in like 1980 around then. He's first artist and then becomes writer artist. Like Daredevil still weirdly feels like, I don't think this is true, but he feels like a B level character uh, in the sense that he's not, he's not the center of like Marvel events usually, right? Spider-Man is the center of events or the Avengers are center of events or Frank, uh, Fantastic Four, like or the, the X-Men of like, or the X-Men have like their own universe. But like Daredevil is like the best of the characters that is not part of that. Like he sort of became the king of everybody else. Yeah. Um, and really what he is, is he's just like, he is a level, I think, because people know Daredevil, like he's, he's more popular than like Iron Man was before the movies. Yeah. Um, but, but he feels so he weird, like, or like in soccer terms, he feels like somebody who's like, whatever, like one level down, like he's not in the, uh, the premier league, (laughs) but he should be, he's like good enough to be or you know he's like a, a a great minor league team that should be a major league team like this is better than some major league teams but he like just isn't uh and partially i think that's a bit of it why he's so successful as a character is because creators or good creators are happy to work on him because it's there's less weight on it like some creators don't want to work on spider-man because like fans complain yeah and there's also like demands from publishing where it's like, great, this is a great run of Spider-Man. Now you need to do an event that ties right. all these other books in. Also, can you create some spinoff characters that we can launch titles off of? And Daredevil doesn't have any of that weight on him. It's just like, just do a good comic. Right. Um, so he so like I guess that's what I mean by he's B tier, because like A tier is like the X-Men, the Avengers, and Spider-Man, where it's like they need to do these things to keep Marvel afloat. Like if Spider-Man isn't launching new characters all the time. He, they're not leveraging his popularity enough. Daredevil is popular enough to probably do those things, but for some reason they don't use him that, that way. And because of the quality stays high, he's like an art film next to a blockbuster. He's like Quentin Tarantino films. Like <laughs> they're not as big as like Spielberg or Marvel universe movies, but they're great and they're better than some of those movies. Yeah. But they're also kind of blockbustery, right? It's not like Quentin Tarantino. You don't watch like, uh, Django and Change, and you're like, ooh, this is sort of like the little indie movie that could. You're like, no, this is a huge movie. 
Sure. I don't know. That's what it feels like to me. What do you think? I think, um, yeah, he's he's uneven. Like he starts off as a Spider-Man ripoff. Then Frank Miller just unabashedly changes him into a sort of Batman feeling grim rainy nights crime book with ninjas and then you know create some of the most famous issues in marvel comics history leaves and then he kind of seems to descend into just a religious uh anti-crime lord guy like almost like a super cop or something um or a super undercover agent or whatever and but I don't know, because of Frank Miller, um, and maybe just because his costume is so cool, he's like one of the most visually like iconic looking heroes. Wally Wood um, designed, but Ditko really deserves most of the Wally credit. designed, we misattributed to Steve Ditko, but we were right in a way because uh, Ditko probably we could probably think of a way to give Ditko credit. <laughs> but um even though there's absolutely no facts or evidence, there's to no proof. There's no there's no, no proof reason, and nobody said it. He never Ditko said it. would nobody say said it. Ditko would never say he did it, but that just makes me think he did it more. Yeah, exactly. There's there's too little proof. <laughs> it's suspiciously it's a, a lack it's of proof. It's suspicious, yeah. You'd think there'd be a little proof if it wasn't true. Yeah. But who's covering it up that Ditko didn't um, design Daredevil's red costume? Yeah, so he's just sort of uneven. Um, well, he's uneven, but I would say he's the most consistently quality comic book. Yeah, it's easier to find a good Daredevil story than a good Spider-Man story. Like, like if, you want to, if you want to point people to a story and have them like comics, it's easier to find a Daredevil one than a Spider-Man one. Yeah, like Frank Miller's run was good. Uh, people really liked uh, Anne Nascenti's run. Yeah, I think right that was Frank's. a little uneven, but like I've heard great things about it. I have not read it myself. And certainly in like the modern age, like Kevin Smith came on and did a run that sort of is weird, but like was pretty well liked. And then since then, there's been like, I think, one bad run. And that's like in the last like eight runs, which the is one I did. Yeah. You, your run didn't make a lot of sense. When I had a work on You shouldn't have drawn it yourself. No well, offense. I, I needed control. Nobody mm-hmm. was getting it. You know, um, Arthur Adams just didn't have it. No, and Daredevil went from Kevin Smith to Brian Michael Bendis to Ed Brubaker to uh, after Ed Brubaker, I think it was Andy Diggle. That was the one run I didn't think was good. Then it was like a, a Mark Wade did a run that was really great. Um, uh, uh, somebody else did a run that after that that was really good that I think it's under credited. Chip Zdarsky's on it now and it's really great. Who's the person? Oh, Charles Soule did a run that I think is really great. So it's just like all these runs are really good and really strong. And it's like, I mean, I don't know, it's like 15 years, 20 years of like great Daredevil comics with like, maybe 20 bad issues in there. And you're like, that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy good. Yeah. I can't think of another title that I would say that about. Um, now, and you wouldn't guess that if you saw this first issue, which I think <laughs> is good, but you wouldn't guess like this will be the most consistently quality comic Marvel has. No, this I agree. Uh, this is a pretty solid story compared to a lot of the other Marvel first that we've been reading. Like it mm-hmm. is, a relatively sensible story within its universe. There is a good emotional arc to it. Uh, You kind of understand where the people are coming from, and it ends with a guy wanting to be a hero. 
The costume I don't really love, and it doesn't stick uh, around for too I weirdly long. love this costume. I do think his next costume is better, but I think this costume is great. Uh, we'll, we'll table that for, for a second. Uh, and and as we read on Tom Brevoort's blog, there was a lot of hands on deck to get this issue done, although it was primarily Stan Lee and Bill Everett were the main two guys. Bill Everett, who was the creator uh, of the, uh, the main artist of Submariner. Yeah. Uh, brought out of basically comics retirement to do this by Stan. Yeah. And, um, but it, it really is not too reflective of what the story, what Daredevil would come to represent. Like there's none of the grim darkness. He really is just a Spider-Man ripoff in terms no, of tone but, and energy. But a lot of the pieces are already out here that those that were used to make those things. Okay. Um, example. Like his power set is pretty fully formed. Yeah, like radar reading sense, paper. He's reading sense. ink with his fingers. Like it's not just radar sense, right? You could have radar sense. Like there's moments in this comic where radar sense sort of feels like it's sort of arbitrary what it can do. But like the main things you think of that that are cool that he can do, like heartbeat are in this detecting, comic. detecting like heartbeat, lie detecting, lying. reading paper with his fingers, being able to tell if someone's going to try to attack him right from behind him. Like they're all in here right away. Yeah. Um, or like Spider-Man's powers weren't that clear in issue one. Um yeah, I guess that's and, true. Guess and the FF's true. powers like varied a lot, you know. It, it just like he he comes out pretty fully formed. Like he's obviously more happy go lucky. The fact that he is a lawyer, the fact that he is blind, foggy Nelson, Karen Page is less important, but like that he's in a law firm, that he's an adult. Um, as opposed to Spider-Man's kid. Like, that's all stuff that his dad, that whole story is there in this first issue. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there already. I mean, he's um, just sort of, he's 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 a good athlete because he was so angry, which doesn't fully make sense. But other than that, like, I think it's almost mostly <laughs> there. Should we try to go through it? Maybe take a break and then go through it? Um, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So we're taking a break. And we're back. So I'm getting uh, from your reaction. I feel like I'm over talking over you, but I feel like you didn't like this that much. No, I, I liked it. Okay. Um, I, it's a way more like logical and organized story than a lot of the other things where we've, we've read in a way that I like, you're right that a lot of the pieces are here. Yeah. I mean, I, this is a, a dumb, obvious take, but to me, Daredevil's not Daredevil until Frank Miller reboots him or whatever like re you know millerizes them and there's not that tone here there's not the gritty dark crime thing there's not the sort of ninja training blue collar energy he is a blue collar guy he's the son of a boxer doesn't come from money but he 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 sounds like he could be reed richards sort of like he seems still still more like a dc hero i guess like a like an atom or a there's no tortured soul evident here. It's the seeds are laid for it. You're right, but it's not played that way. But a lot of that is just what Frank Miller did. Like, I think I could probably pick up an issue of Daredevil from 1975, 10 years after this started and say the same thing. Okay. I, I like this more than most everything else we've covered. Like if I had to pick a second issue of everything we've read, other than Ant-Man, <laughs> for kind of opposite reasons, this would be the one I'd be most interested in reading another issue of. Oh, that's it. That's interesting. I, 
I feel like the art of Doctor Strange got me more. I would, I, I having read all the Doctor Stranges, I know that it would not live up to what I wanted because it, it, it does get kind of samey. Mm -hmm. But I was probably most intrigued by Doctor Strange. But I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I don't. Let's go through it because I think it'll be evident right. when, when we talk about it. So on the cover, we have an interesting approach. There's Daredevil jumping over a gang of gun wielding sort of you know crime thugs. And then it's just like, remember when we introduced Spider-Man, a worthy companion to such all-time greats as the Fantastic Four? Just kind of right away saying, hey, you like these other things we did. Now we're doing this guy. Yeah. Although I think as we read on Tom Brevoort's blog, this issue was like Bill Everett had trouble finishing it on time and mm -hmm. things were pushed off. And so the cover and possibly the splash page, as well as other things, might have been like done in a rush where it's like, how can we just cover up a lot of real estate on this page without needing a new drawing? And one way is, oh, let's put some picture of Spider-Man and a picture of the FF. Right. This Daredevil was like a design page that they now have they used twice in this comic, but was not made for the comic. You know, they're kind of taking up scraps to fill in to fill in stuff that they weren't able to get from their assigned artist. I'll also, say this cover looks better than the hodgepodge final Spider-Man cover, which did a similar thing. Yeah, it's pretty well composed, and the drawing of Daredevil is really good. Yeah. And um, so yeah, it look it looks it looks it looks good. Uh, there's an interesting little trivia thing. There's little that there's the heads of the Fantastic Four here on the cover, just like mm -hmm. the cutout heads, and um, that is not Sue Storm. It's Millie the model with just like a Sue hair drawn on. Uh, Tom Brevoort was like, yeah, you can clearly see that it's Millie the model just kind of pasted in here. You can clearly see if you read a thousand comics like Tom did. Yes. <laughs> um, I just think it's pretty fun. I think it is interesting. <laughs> and also you can tell that like a different artist drew Karen Page, Matt Murdock, and Foggy Nelson down in the lower right-hand corner than drew yeah. Spidey or the FF. Yeah. I think there's a, sometimes Tom writes in his blogs like, this is clearly an homage. And I'm like, I don't... I don't know comics as well as you because I don't see. I wouldn't know that. Yeah. Like, clearly, this is a swipe from an old Ditko story. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, not about this comic in particular, but he says things like that all the time. And it's like, yes, if you've re read as much as you or Kurt uh, Busick or Mark Wade, some of this stuff just jumps out at you. But to me, I sometimes read the stuff and I'm like, oh, it looked good to me. We turn to the splash page and it's the same image of Daredevil now jumping kind of just over a skyline. And there's a lot of text on this page. And again, this might have just been something that was sort of thrown together. So they're deliberately doing a lot of text to like cover up mm -hmm. real estate. There's a really big title, The Origin of Daredevil. Then there's just a cutout of Amazing Spider-Man number one. And it says, remember this cover? If you were one of the fortunate few who bought this first copy, you probably wouldn't part with it for anything. Another, another box. Now we congratulate you for having bought another prized first edition. This magazine is certain to be one of your most valued comic mag possessions in the months to come. It's like, all right, just clearly stalling for till yeah. we get started. Just eating up a page here. Then we turn into the actual proper first page of the story, and the art here is really cool. Yeah, uh, the art, I think, throughout this issue is inconsistent, which, again, I think lives up to the rushed nature of it. But when it's good, I really like it. Sometimes it doesn't flow great, but the character faces are great. And this first page looks, I think, great. Yeah, and it's a bunch of like kind of underworld thugs in the back of Fogwell's gym playing poker. Uh, oh, they're sorry, they're boxing guys, but they they're kind of talking about a character called the Fixer who like makes people throw fights. We're going to learn he, that later. He fixes fights. Yeah, 
Um, how, how, yeah. How would we ever know that based on his name? Yeah. And at the end, Daredevil kind of walks in to sort of mess up their party. We'll find out later why he is so intent on getting revenge against the fixer. Turns out the fixer killed his father. We don't know that at this point. Yeah. And there's sort of a second page and third page of him just like mopping the floor with these guys. And we just see that he's very athletic and just kind of handily wipes them all out. Yeah. There's a little Will Eisner-ish to this, the art of these characters, not like in the, not in the composition of the pages necessarily, but just like the character faces and some of that, the attitude, like there's a few panels where Daredevil's costume doesn't seem to fit him perfectly. And that all just feels a little more a contract with God than, um, than Kirby. This looks like like 1940s tenement New York, kind of like guys with like baggy suit pants with their the pockets turned inside out and like a and a floppy like hat pulled down over their ears kind of look um then we kind of flash back to daredevil's origin we cut back to him as a kid there is a very stan lee caption when we do that where daredevil the word is said like five times in two sentences which is (laughs) pretty fun Uh, i'm gonna read that right now daredevil a brand new name in the world of superheroes, but one which is destined to reach very great heights of glory for Daredevil has a special type of power, such as no adventurer has ever had before. To learn what it is, let us go back a few years, back to the origin of the man called Daredevil. Yeah, and that's right after the, the panel right before that ends with, call me Daredevil. <laughs> so, I think we know who the main character is. So we see a young Matt Murdock age i don't even know six or seven or something talking to his dad a boxer battle and murdoch who mm-hmm. is urging his kid to study to be somebody not like his uneducated old man and he says i promised your mom who is dead and we don't know who is said to have died that gets retconned changed later but at this point in the mythology his mother is dead yep and then we kind of fast forward to high school and he is a bookworm that all the other kids make fun of because he won't play with them a la Rudolph. The red yeah. reindeer. Well, he won't play with them. It's a little different. Rudolph didn't refuse. He was ostracized because of his freakish glowing nose, as he should have been. Yes, as he correctly was. Alienated. Uh, uh, yeah, I, he, Matt Murdock is not allowed to play sports, and he wants to. He really wants to play sports. He think he'd be. He thinks he'd be good at it. Uh, and when he, the one time he punches a punching bag, he knocks it clean off the hook because he's so strong. Um. Because of the pent-up fury that's in his body. Uh, There's a fun panel where he's looking out his window at all the other kids playing. And what they're playing is Indian wrestling. And (sighs) it just shows like five high school kids just kind of like. They look like the music video for Beat It. Like they're just kind of like circling around each other and, and, and fighting and. It looks very 1942, like the background of a little rascal's short or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it doesn't that. look like fun. Like two kids just seem to be having a hearty handshake. <laughs> the one guy's standing on somebody else's shoulders or one guy's running away or something. Yeah. Uh, the bo- Page six, bottom left, when we see Matt Murdock throwing his book in frustration because he can't join in. That This looks like very Peter Parker. Like there's something from Amazing Fantasy 15 where Peter Parker is like hurling something down in the corner and it looks – yeah. Peter's always smashing things in anger. Yeah. Uh, Then we see his one hit on the punching bag inspires him. Hey, I should exercise. And then he begins a regimen of like um, exercising to work out in addition to studying all the time to please his dad. 
And so that's where that's where Matt Murdock's going to become very fit and ready to be a superhero, even though he doesn't know that's his destiny. Yeah, and there's there's like a, a encyclopedia page of what exercise is because we see a bunch of like scantily clad Matt Murdock's working out with the labeling of what he's doing: barbells, rope skipping, <laughs> cable pull, the bag, the bike. And rowing machine. Yeah, it kind of looks like a Boy Scout manual or something. Like, yeah. these are the exercises you must complete for your badge or something like that. Yeah, it's very funny. So he's secretly in great shape, and his dad, I guess, just doesn't know why he has muscles. Um, now, Battle and Murdoch, the dad is getting older. He can't get the fights he used to get. So he is, but he needs money to support his child who he's devoted to. So he has to turn to the fixer. And uh, and the fixer signs him to a contract, and he gets money, and he's happy. More on that in a in a bit, Kevin. And the fixer doesn't ask. He says, uh, "You won't have to take a dive either, just because I'm really a soft-hearted fool." Here, sign this contract. The fixer just signs him with no no strings attached. Yeah, and um, in a in a tradition of uh, protagonists, Battle and Murdoch does not read the contract. He just signs it. Yeah. So uh, meanwhile, Matt Murdoch is not at home. Or the dad gets home to tell him the great news that he's got a new boxing manager. But Matt Murdock is out on the streets about to have his life changed forever. That's right. When a truck of radioactive material, which at this point in Marvel Comics history must be every other truck in Manhattan. That's right. Yes. Is about to hit an old man crossing the street. Matt Murdock bravely uh, jumps over a car to knock him out of the way, but he gets hit by the truck and injured. And then it's not shown, but is said yeah. in dialogue that a cylinder fell from the truck with that was radioactive and affected him. I feel like that yeah. should be shown. It should be shown. This is sort of Stanley's homage to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, <laughs> who use this same origin. And then like sort of, you know, Stanley sort of said like, oh, let's tie into that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, Stanley had a time machine, but um, only to Northampton, Massachusetts in 1983. <laughs> So uh, now Matt Murdock's in the hospital. He's bandaged up. The radiation uh, has a, has blinded him. Yes. He seems pretty chipper for a blind – for somebody who's been blinded. Yeah, who's just lost his sight. He seems like yeah. he's rolling with it pretty good. Uh, he's Then we cut to him in the gym, and he's got his dark sunglasses on and a cane. I don't think he needs the cane to exercise, but I guess he's got the cane with him just in case. And he is like a super athlete. Yeah, this is like one of those pages where I'm like, oh, this is not drawn that well. Like he's jumping around like very stiffly. It feels like it doesn't look like he's a guy who just jumped off a, a bouncing board or whatever you call it. Yeah, it doesn't have like that Ditko flow like that when Spidey would like leap off a, you know, flagpole or whatever. And there's all these like zoom ins on body parts, which is a cool idea, but it looks more like it was sort of put together yeah. from a diff from a different pictures like this probably was a rush job or just sort of a lazily done page, but it's like some cool ideas on it. Yeah. Very cool. Just like heightened sentences, senses, you know, he's got the, mm -hmm. it shows his hearing and smell, touch and taste. Uh, that's interesting. Then it shows his radar sense that he can just walk around and he doesn't, he won't bump into anything because he can sense everything. At this point it pings. I think in his like I think it's not actually making a noise, but he is feeling a ping. Yeah. But on the page, you see the word ping written whenever he gets close to a corner, which is very silly. Yeah, very silly. It's a little better when they evolve it. So he just has like a sort of shadowy impression of what's ahead of him. Mm -hmm. We also briefly meet Foggy Nelson, his roommate at college. Yeah, not it, much more about him. We just meet him. 
Uh, and then um, Battle and Murdoch is winning fights left and right. He thinks he's having like a late in life resurgence, but really the fixer has been ordering the other people to throw fights because he's setting up the odds to be uh, in in Battle and Murdoch's favor. Um, yeah. For a future scam. And then finally, Battle and Murdoch is going to face the number two contender. The fixer has ordered him to take a dive. That also happens off panel. We just know that from a thought balloon and Battle and Murdoch's head as he steps into the ring. Fixer said, I have to take a dive in the first round tonight. Next yeah. panel. But my boy's here tonight to root for his dad. I've always trained him to do his best. I can't disappoint him now. Doesn't make sense to me. I think you could throw that fight and Matt Murdoch would be fine with it. Yeah, he's not going to be disappointed in you. Like, you've done really good up to this point. And I don't know. But, you know, he's taking a lot of hits to the head. He's not going to make great decisions. Yeah, this is an early comment on CTE. Uh, uh, so he wins the fight. He decides to win the fight. Foggy and Matt are there watching. Um, Murdoch wins the fight, which is also impressive because, like, he won all the other fights because they were fixed. But he beats this contender. The number two contender, yeah. Yeah, uh, but then after own. the fight, he is assassinated by the fixers. Man, he's killed in punishment uh -huh. for not throwing the fight. Uh, Matt Murdock is devastated. Uh, he he graduates in his grief, and he and Foggy open up a law firm together. Yeah, Aaron Page most people most people right out of college start a law firm right away. Like like Foggy's like, I'll make you partner. Not how law necessarily works. There's no he didn't take the bar. He not most people, but if you have a friend then that's what you do. Most lawyers don't have friends. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So if you are weirdly lucky enough to have a friend, you have to open up a law practice right away. And they also hire Karen Page day one. So they haven't even had a case or a client, but they have a staff. Yeah. Her first line is terrible. My name is Karen Page, Mr. Murdoch. I hope you'll be pleased with me. Uh, how about his first line? Her voice is like music. From the sound, she's five foot four, young, and I know she's lovely. <laughs> you can tell how pretty someone is by their voice. Uh, his radar sense has like um, a hotness detector. Yeah, yeah. So, but you, you know, it's something you said before we started going through the pages. But they do, they do set up all the players here in the first issue. Yeah, I mean, like this is... page is a major part up until like, yeah, I don't know, the seventies, right? I mean, five years later in her life, she's going to be an ex porn star heroin addict who sells his secret identity to the kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so then Matt decides to make a costume like all good Marvel protagonists. He's good at sewing. Yeah. And he makes a costume. Now, talk about what you like about this costume, Kev. I don't know. It looks, it, first of all, it's mostly like the, the red Daredevil costume in, in look, right? Other than colors. Uh, yes, it is the same kind of ears and sort of Batman cowl mask, but it's yellow instead of red. Right. So yellow, I think, is an interesting color. There aren't a lot of heroes that are yellow. He really pops off the page with yellow. There are a lot of heroes that are red. Yeah. Uh, but this yellow, had, I think, really stands out. He's got kind of a football wrestling jersey on over the yellow. Yeah. Uh, with it, a big D on it. It's like a it's like a gym outfit, which makes sense. His father was always in gyms. Yep. Like it's a fitting outfit. This this is an outfit that has some thought to it. It is inspired by the story. Yeah. Uh, I like the gloves with the little dots, uh, the boots with the little dots on them, I think is cool. I think the black tunic over the yellow outfit looks cool. I don't know. it. The, the red D is a nice uh, font, and it's the same font they use later on. Like, I don't know. This isn't way different than the red suit. The red suit is just simple and, and iconic in a way that this one 
isn't quite, but I think this one is a great costume. I think a lot, I, maybe I'm wrong. When we disagree, generally everyone agrees with you, but I think a lot of people like this costume. I'm gonna uh, say what I even if like they think it. it is second to his main costume. Well, he's got the Billy Club, and I love the Billy Club. Yeah, uh, that's a Jack Kirby idea, apparently, to have a Billy Club. Uh, yeah, f- f- according to Tom's blog, uh, a lot of this comic was possibly laid out or or worked on from Kirby. We, no one knows to what degree. It doesn't seem like he laid out the pages, but like it seems like he helped a lot in getting this done. And also Ditko maybe helped finish some of this. Yeah, I think uh, Ditko inker. was brought in to do like backgrounds and like fill in some stuff that wasn't finished. Possibly, yeah. I mean, we don't really see his his style, but maybe he inked some stuff that was already penciled, like that wasn't inked that well or like cleaned it up. Uh, we, I also think lots of panels were moved around and cut out. and, and But... Uh, but it seems like everybody at Marvel was kind of brought in to get this comic <laughs> across the finish line. Blow Steinberg, yeah, you know, maybe scripted a couple pages. So uh, I'll tell you what I don't like about the costume, and that is the tunic that is over the red, the yellow, um, like bodysuit. There's a there's a V neck cut because it's kind of like a tank top sort of tunic. Yeah, and it makes it look like he's wearing a yellow turtleneck to me oh and it, to me so it looks like he's kind of like a preppy millionaire on the town it doesn't look like that to me it, it just looks like a wrestler outfit it looks like he's wearing like an outfit that like a high school wrestler would wear um you are way more accurate than what i'm saying but nonetheless when i look at this guy i'm like waiting for him to offer me a whiskey and soda in his library I just think if the if the Wally Wood costume never existed, I think people would like this outfit. I don't think they would see this and go, ugh. Right. In the same way that like the original Iron Man suit was just sort of like so bulky and boring. Right. And the Ditko's oh, outfit. So in other was, words, the, the Ditko one was a big improvement on that. That was a huge improvement, right? And you're you're saying the red costume is kind of maybe more of a lateral move. No, I mean it's definitely better. Okay. But I don't think I don't think it's like I think Iron Man had a bad costume, and then he had a good costume, and I think mm-hmm. Daredevil had a good costume, and then he has a better costume. I see. Um, in the same way, like the Spider-Man's black Spider-Man suit is, is a great costume. It's just not as good as his original costume. Yeah, I see that. But I don't think people look at the black costume and go like, "Ugh." True. <laughs> they go, oh, "This is great. This is a great change. This is good. I can't wait till he goes back to the original one. That's the one we all love." Uh, the black costume does look cool. Um, yeah. okay, I think so this is cool in, a, in the opposite way. Once he's got his costume, he he sets about trying to find the men who have killed his father. So we see him kind of beating up people and squeezing them for information to find out where the fixer is. Yeah. Uh, there's some fun visual fights. He's pushed out a window, but then using his billy club, he loops onto a flagpole and kind of like... And uh, we should some... say that this is also... We've come back to the present at this point. Yes. So This is short... all like a flashback to the origin... And then so we're him like, the, shortly after the fight where he beat up all the boxing guys in the back of the gym. Yeah, that was his first fight. He put on his costume and he went there to beat up those guys. And now we're in present time and he's tracking down the fixer. He finds the fixer and that's when he gets thrown out the window. Okay, yeah. Um, meanwhile, and yeah, he catches his first flagpole to save himself, something he'll get used to doing. <laughs> we cut away from the fight with the fixer just to see Foggy and Karen sort of talking about where's Matt and they're sort of talking about him and Karen's like, I just feel like taking care of him. I'm so worried about him. And Foggy's like, ah, oh, you know, he's a lot tougher than you think, and he can take care of himself. Um, 
just kind of fleshing them out as real people who know Matt and have feelings about him. Yeah, I think setting up a status quo that is, exists for a while that people are worried about him because he's blind when ironically he doesn't need help. He's more adept than anyone else. Then we cut back to the fixture and Daredevil is kind of like uh, telling these guys that he's got evidence about them fixing fights. So they run away and then he switches into Matt Murdock and uses his super senses to track them down into a subway, changes back to Daredevil. As always, it's one of his superhero powers that you get is quick changing into outfits. You can change clothes faster when you've got superpowers. Yeah, all you have to do is like take one pant leg off and the rest of it just kind of snaps into place. Yeah. I've never gotten dressed fast. enough. Like if I was following you and then had to change my outfit before I talked to you, you'd be gone. Yeah, I would have left the city. I had a friend who uh, would always say like, he's like, I can believe Superman can fly (laughs) and is indestructible and has heat vision. No one changes their clothes that fast. <laughs> like, but you believe he can move, he can fly around the planet in like a minute, but you don't believe he can change his clothes that fast. He's like, with all those buttons, there's no way. Like, just like, and I was like, that's very funny. Uh, uh, I mean, Superman's the most believable one. Like Daredevil's just a guy. Like, I know, but it's just a very funny sticking point just to be like, no one changes their clothes that fast. And it's like, you know, the part of me gets it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, so he, he follows them into the subway. Uh, he ends up getting – he gets his man. He gets he gets the fixer and turns him over to the cops. No, he chases him down and the fixer has a heart attack. Oops. Sorry. Yes. Um, he chases he, him by like uh, – Daredevil runs on a barrel in a very circus-like move. <laughs> and then the fixer has a heart attack because that's so scary. Uh, okay. And then Daredevil jumps on a train <laughs> and leaves and leaves. But there's one henchman he turns in or something like that. Yeah, he catches the 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 guy who killed who actually pulled the trigger. Yeah, the trigger man, but not the mob boss, the fixer himself died of a heart attack. Okay, right. Uh so he he has avenged his father's murder. And it ends with uh, Matt Murdock in his law office with Foggy and Karen looking out the window. Yeah. Like a lot of these issues, it feels oddly paced like this fight sequence I mean, also, I think we'll talk through the fight sequence very quickly, but uh, it feels like we spend a lot of time with like a little too much details on his origin. And then all of a sudden it's like, and then he finds everyone and catches everyone and it's over. Um, yeah, that's true there. What do you think about the fight? I did rush by it because I'm into comics for the passion, not the fights, uh, but I, th- I think the fight is only okay. Like, I think this is where the art, is suffering right like again i think some of the faces look good but not all of them they're inconsistent here the fixture's face seems to change in a lot of panels but like the the, like when he jumps out and catches a flagpole it just does not flow at all and i think if it did i think these this fight sequence would read better like it's like he's falling but it looks like he is the background is added after the fact I guess when the he's swinging up, it doesn't seem like he's swinging up. It's it, it seems seems like a panel that was flipped upside down. I don't think that's true of that panel, but I think you don't in, feel the motion like you would in a Ditko page mm-hmm. or even a Kirby page or a John Byrne page or something. Sure, or more modern artists that are good. Uh, I guess the the story of this final fight is that he gets to the fixer who gave the order, and then the guy who pulled the trigger. He wants to capture both of them, and they run in opposite directions. So yes. it's like, how does he accomplish that? He throws his billy club one way and knocks the guy down, rides a barrel to the other guy. I don't know how that helps catch him, but. And then that dude has a heart attack, and then he rides a moving subway back down the platform to catch the other guy who had been 
knocked over by his billy club. So he's like using inventiveness to like get two guys before either of them can run away. Yeah. And I don't think the fight's that interesting, but I do think it's fun watching him track by the cigar smell of the fixer. Like that's an interesting thing that I don't think we've seen a character do at this point. Right. Like following the scent of a cigar throughout the city. You know, like there's a very funny moment where they're like, no one behind us is, but this blind guy has been behind us for a while. And he's like right behind them. And it's like kind of suspicious. He's just a guy wearing sunglasses. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. You might not know he's Daredevil, but he's been following you and you're a mobster. Don't you dislike that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like the idea of it. Like this sort of like there's something fun about like a, a blind person walking down, like tapping their cane, slowly following you. You can't escape because they can hear wherever you've gone. That, there's a, that's a very fun aspect um i realize you hate this comic but i think that's cool this is the worst character in marvel history um you know give me mr doll give mr doll his own comic and cosmo <laughs> mr doll and cosmo should team up mm -hmm. and open a detective agency <laughs> i mean i'd read it so um and then we finish it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good um issue yeah I think it's I, th I think it's strong. Uh, um, I think there's a lot here that if I pick this up off the rack, comparing it to the other comics of the era, not comparing it to Frank Miller's Daredevil, <laughs> but if I pick this comic off a rack and I've been reading Spider-Man and reading Fantastic Four and I had read The Hulk um, and, you know, have picked up some other Marvel comics here and there, I think I'd read this and be like, oh, I'm going to get the next issue of Daredevil. I think... I'd be surprised when it was by a completely different artist. Um, right. I don't know what that looks like. And I think it, it's five or six issues before Wally Wood comes on. And that's probably where it starts looking good for a while. Um, But I don't know. The pieces here are very cool. I, it might get very repetitious and boring, but that's not, you can't tell that in this first issue. I think it's fun. I also, I like acrobatic heroes. I like these sort of, you know, I like Nightwing. I like Daredevil. I like Spider-Man in that sense. of just sort of, these guys are sort of, even old Daredevils, like these smiling, flipping through the city characters are very fun. I like uh, um, Jack in the Box and Astro City. I like uh, uh, the Fury in 1963 that we covered. Like those characters are just fun. Yeah. You're right. That They are their own little category, the, the city acrobat. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those like subcategories of heroes that you don't think about until Kurt Busiek makes a trope out of them in Astro City. So um, should we try to rank all these number ones? Sure. So I'm going to do it. I haven't thought about this. I'm just going to do it now right in front of you. And you, that way, that way you can do it better. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, we're going to have different opinions. And, uh, but I, I trust your opinion more than mine. So I think I'll put Amazing Fantasy 15 at the top. Then I'm going to put, I'm going to, I'm going to put Hulk number one next. Then I'm going to put FF just in terms of like reading the issues, not knowing what's coming. Then I'm going to say, I think you're right. You've won me over. I'll say Daredevil next in quality. Then I'm going to say Doctor Strange for the art. Even though it's a five-page nothing. Uh, then I'm going to say Ant-Man. <laughs> then I'm going to say X-Men. And I think I'm going to do, no, then I'm going to say Avengers. I think I would do X-Men last. I think I would be least interested in the X-Men just hmm. based on the first issue. What about Thor? Oh, Thor, I would put uh, above Ant-Man. So, um, oh, and Iron Man, I would put below Thor. Okay, hang on. I got it. So here we go. <laughs> Spider-Man, Hulk, FF, 
Um, Daredevil, Iron Man, Thor. So I'll put Iron Man above Thor. And then Ant-Man, Avengers, X-Men. Okay. I think mine's okay. pretty different than yours. Okay, what do you got? I think Spider-Man's number one. That's clear. I think FF's better than the Hulk. I think the gargoyle half of the Hulk <laughs> just tanks that. The I mean, I really love the first half of the Hulk. Um, but I think like the Mole Man part of FF is better than the gargoyle part by so much. <laughs> that I, uh, And I love the Hulk, but I'm going to go Spider-Man, FF, Hulk. Okay. Um, I mean, Hulk doesn't just have to be like, three. Ant-Man's tricky only because, like, I'm not counting the the pre-origin issue. Yeah, I'm kind of only counting the costumed issue. Yeah. And I like the Wasp issue more than the Ant-Man issue. Because if I was going off that Wasp issue, which I know is way worse than almost anything else we read, that is probably my next favorite comic <laughs> we read. I had so much more fun reading that. I was like, this is bonkers and crazy and weird, and I want to see what comes next. <laughs> Um, but if I'm doing the Ant-Man one, it would be lower. But if I if I'm combining those two issues, and I'm going to, because I who cares? That would be my next choice. That'd okay, let's do four. it there. Yeah. Um then I think Daredevil's my next favorite. Like of okay. the comics that I'm reading, then like I want to read, I'd read the next one. Um that's the one. And then I'd go Iron Man. Yep, that's what I did. Um then I'd go Doctor Strange. Then I'd go Thor. Then I'd go X-Men. Then I'd go Avengers. Avengers is the one I'm least interested in. Uh, the only part of Avengers I liked was the Hulk. <laughs> and he leaves after a few issues. Uh, I do think, I mean, I don't know. It took me a long time before I got into the Avengers in real life. I, it just feels, hey, what if all these characters were together? Yeah. But they, they, we don't see really their personalities bouncing off each other in interesting ways at all, other than the Hulk. Like, I'd rather read more Hulk than that. Um, so Avengers is my bottom. Uh, I like where's, X-Men. Where's, where's X-Men? Right before Avengers. Okay. And I, I, that might be, you know what? No, I like X-Men more than Thor. So I'd go Iron Man, X-Men, Thor, Hulk, uh, Avengers. And where's Doctor Strange? Uh, um, okay. Tell I me again. You got, Spidey, I don't, I don't remember. Tell me again, Spidey, FF, Hulk. Spidey, FF, then Hulk. The, then the sort of Ant-Man The Ant-Man Ant combo. Yeah. Um, Then Daredevil. Right. Then Iron Man. Then Doctor uh, Strange. Okay. Then X-Men. Then X-Men, then, then Thor, then the Avengers. Avengers. Okay, we are quite different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I'm Spidey Hulk. I, I just wasn't, I mean, I love, I love Ditko obviously, but I, Dr. Strange has never interested me. I like, I've, I've read that whole run and I really like the, basically his last super long arc, Yeah, but I kind of didn't like anything before that much. I mean, I like little things like eternity shows up I'm like, Oh, he looks cool, but the story never grabbed me. Yeah. The character never grabbed me. The world never grabbed me. So it's just like, it just, it, it, it reminds me of just like, Oh, this is like cool images but i want a cool story we actually have dr strange in the same place yeah fourth fourth from the end but below him i have ant-man avengers x-men and then you have x-men thor avengers yeah i mean i think thor was pretty boring 
for me. He fights those stone guys. He talks about his tapping his cane a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm sure your list makes more sense than mine. But people um, never, uh, people often side with you. Even when it comes down to the brood, people side with you. Like one person wrote in to say, yeah, the brood is boring. Everyone else is like, you're crazy. The brood is great. So, <laughs> um, so I, I know I'm, I'm in the wrong, but that's how I feel. I mean, obviously, I think Ant-Man is bad, but it's fun bad to me. And I and I can imagine yeah, reading I, a lot of it. It feels like the comic that I'm like, this comic is so much fun. And then four issues later, I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Like There was a TV show about the um, the Headless Horseman. Yeah. Um, it was like a, like where Ichabod Crane and a, and a current cop were hunting down the Headless Horseman. That was the concept of the show. Yeah. And the first episode was so fun and so crazy and so bonkers. I was like, this show is going to be great. And then like four episodes later, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> like they they couldn't sustain this the weirdness of it and, yeah. and keep it good. Like it just got kind of by the numbers and boring. And like the weirdness was just sort of there. And I was like, oh, this isn't that good. But like the pilot was so fun. I'm like, this could be the greatest show ever that no one will watch because it's such a crazy concept. I think it ran like three seasons uh, or something. But that's what I feel about Ant-Man. I'm like, oh, this is so fun. I want more of this. And I don't believe it could sustain itself, but. Based on what we read, what am I more like? What am I more excited to read more of? Okay. Well, um, Kevin, what's our moral of reading all the Marvel firsts? I I was going to ask you this uh, until you poo pooed a lot of what I said about Daredevil, but um, what do you think? Like these comics, the good ones and the bad ones, all eventually had great runs. Yes. That's crazy to me. There's something interesting about that. Like, I don't think every character that Marvel's created or every comic book character has had great runs, but like all of these characters eventually had someone come in and go like, yeah, maybe not Doctor Strange, but I mean, that might be the only one, but I don't know. Maybe that Ditko run is great. We, we've had people email in with a couple suggestions of Doctor Strange runs that we have not read, uh, but they people have made these characters cool. What are, What is it about these characters that, left room or inspired people to come up with these cool ideas. Like, I don't know. Question. It's it's sort of crazy to me that that first issue of Thor, which feels a little weird. Yeah. This guy switches places with a Norse God <laughs> or becomes a Norse. It's like, it feels like the thing ring cartoon from Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. Where, this, where a kid puts on a ring and becomes Ben Grimm, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird concept. Um, but Thor becomes really cool. Like, why does Thor end up working? You know, why do any of these characters work? Well, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting question. And I, you know, I think it's basically like they were the first pieces on the board. And so really, I think it's just that Spider-Man and the FF and the Hulk worked so well. That and then Thor Ker, Kirby is the one, the original creator is the one who got Thor going into goodness. So I think Thor becomes good before the original creative yes. team leaves. And I haven't read those, but I've heard that. So um I'm gonna say Spidey and the FF by far, also the Hulk and a little bit Thor are so good. They are the they are the 
components that make the Marvel Universe successful. And then everything else kind of because they were contemporaries with them, later artists kind of like mush them all together and take the good strengths of a Spider-Man story and apply it to a Daredevil story and take the good strengths of a good FF story and apply it to an Avengers story. Like it's, it's just basically like the, the main dudes were like ingredients that spread into everything. Not, not even the characters, but the quality of those issues mm-hmm. and stories, like the, the complicated mythology of FF um, made is is present in Thor. The the deep emotional interiority of Spider-Man shows up in Daredevil years later. Uh, the Avengers is is treated kind of like a great FF comic at some point in terms of just like balancing lots of characters and stuff. It's just very impressive to me, the comic books, and this is true of DC Comics too, that the momentum of the good comics carried long enough for them to get good again. You know, like, uh, and, and you know, it wasn't like all at once, but like that Marvel comics survived until the eighties to have like another peak creative thing. And there were good runs between the sixties and the eighties, of course. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like there was ever any highs quite like the birth of the Marvel universe. How could you, how could you match that? Um, but like the momentum of Spider-Man is good enough that even like pretty good Spider-Man stories are riding on, they, they started so high. You know, yeah. When you start at a ninety-five, even if you lose ten points, you're still getting a B. Right, right. Um, there's something about that. Like, I, I, it's very impressive to me that 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 happened. I mean, the FF was sort of mediocre for so long. I feel like some people would disagree with that, but um, it just feels like I don't know. When we when when I look at the comics before John Byrne, I'm just like they just don't interest me at all. But I really love the Kirby issues and I really love the burn issues. I'm like, oh man, it's crazy that that comic was still going. Yeah. Uh, well, some Hulk of it is gets a little boring, right? He just becomes Hulk Smash for so long, and people loved it. The, you know the the amount of time between when Kirby left and John Byrne isn't too long either. It feels long to us because we were like kids when we started and so the things from before we read felt like an eternity ago yeah but uh um, yeah and, and i'm also putting like modern comics on it where comics get canceled after 12 issues which i guess does not happen back then like but 10 years is a long time yeah it is it is but it's not as long as it's been since then like, yes been, of like, course so uh, but once something's been around 40 years, it's easy to be like, like, I don't know. It's like SNL, right? SNL was like, oh man, they're kind of lucky that they lasted long enough to get to like the Dana era. Carvey, John Lovitz, Phil Hartman era. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They but then once didn't... they got through that, it sort of just feels like, yeah, they made it like they've, you know, cause then they followed up with like, eventually Will Ferrell comes on. It's like, well, now they're just set. Like, even if it's bad for five years, you're like, what's five years on SNL's lifespan. Yeah. But like five years when there was only a 10-year-old show, it's like half the time it's been bad. <laughs> For five I mean, years, all we liked was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the 60s Marvel is forever fascinating. Just like why was it – why did it work? Why did yeah. it work so well with all – because the flaws are easy to see and the shortcomings are easy to see. But the, you couldn't – you could not defeat – 
these plants grew and blossomed mm-hmm. and spread like crazy. I mean, some of it was probably, I guess, that it was cheap. The books were cheap, and so kids read them, and they didn't need to be good. They just needed to be a diversion, and like I get all there's all these other factors, but uh, like now they're expensive, right? Like if a comic's bad, a three dollar comic just can't survive because who's going to read it, right? For I mean, because and I know a quarter was more back then, but it wasn't three dollars. You know, it's like or you know a nickel or a dime or whatever it was. It was very affordable. Um, I guess, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's no answer for it, but I just find it interesting. If you, uh, if you're listening and you know what the answer is, email us at screwitcomics at Gmail, tweet at us, screwitcomics, or Instagram DM us at screwitcomics and let us know, uh, how come all these characters survive long enough to have good runs? How did that happen? Um, I think we don't need to do mail today. Well, we're going to start doing some mailbag episodes next week, and we'll catch up on our mail. Yeah, I don't know where we are in the John Byrne run, but we'll be doing. Uh, I'll post it on Instagram, but it's the next three issues, I assume, mm-hmm. of uh, wherever we left off. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited to get back to some John Byrne and to read some email. Yeah, we got a bunch of good emails. Ooh, exciting! How many demand that they are read in full? Only one has uh, unfair demand, <laughs> and it is. Only only half as unhinged as the previous one. <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, all right, Kevin, good job. All right, well, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Screw it, screw it, we're just going to talk about comics.